Hello and welcome to Cranking Off, the only podcast that is certified schizo-pilled. I'm your host, Mitchell. So, um, I know that there was a pretty big uh, break between these two episodes. Um, Unfortunately, my living situation kind of went to hell in a handbasket. So, I'm in a new place now and didn't want to record until I had a, a couch and a bed and furniture. So, it wasn't so echoey. So, you know, I know it's been about uh, two months. And so now we got to uh, pick up where we were. So, so I know I promised you an episode about a book review and this is that book review. So I was originally planning for this to be a uh, one-off discussion about this book. But as I kept reading it and thinking about it, I realized that this was going to be a uh, several part series with multiple books involved. And the book that started this sort of, oh, how do you say, uh, journey uh, is called uh, Dulce Base, The Truth and Evidence from the Case Files of Gabe Valdez. It is written by Greg Valdez and details his and his father's experience in Dulce, starting with the cattle mutilations and leading down a uh, variety of different rabbit holes. Uh, today we'll mostly be focusing on the cattle mutilations, uh, what they were, who actually did them, and why it is linked to something called Project Gas Buggy. While most of the stories around Dulce focus on aliens, interspecies hybrids, and various underground bases, this book focuses on what was actually going on in the field and the impact of the uh, various uh, shady government agencies that were in the area operating at the time and what what the impact of that was on the uh, people who are often forgotten and left to rot in this country. First, I want to do a quick intro into Dulce Base, uh, why it's one of the main ufologist uh, obsessions. So in the late 70s, a man named Paul Benowitz, uh, let's remember that because that name is going to be important uh, as we kind of go on this journey, uh, started to report strange findings around the Dulce area, which is in northern New Mexico near the Colorado border. Uh, More specifically, the Archaluda, and I apologize if I'm butchering that, Mesa or Mountain in some reports. Uh, Benowitz had disclosed his findings of strange lights flying in the night sky and unknown communications he's been picking up. These stories spread like rapid fire uh, throughout the community and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow and grow. Still, it was no longer just uh, strange light and radio signals, but a full joint alien-human collaboration in the underground base near the Archuleta Mountain. These stories range from the aliens giving us technology, performing experiments to create alien-human hybrids, uh, just like the common motif in the X-Files, which funnily enough, one of these people in the story uh, went on to consult on an episode that involved these types of things. Uh... Another spoiler alert for future episodes, that person is Richard Doty. Uh, very important name. Let's let's remember Paul Benowitz and Richard Doty, if we remember anything from today. Some of these stories even involve the aliens plotting to overthrow the world governments and uh, various firefights between the U.S. Army and the aliens in the underground base of Dulce. So uh, these, of course, are all uh, more than very likely uh, complete horseshit. This whole story has so many things going on and so much disinformation that we have to start that we have to slowly start at the beginning with Gabe Valdez and his investigations into the cattle mutilations, another bugbear of the uh, typical ufologist community. So we got to do an intro on the cattle mutilation phenomenon. Um, this was a reoccurring theme with the greater Midwest in America. I think primarily in the Great Basin, but I know it went up further north than that. Um, in the late 60s and 70s, and there was another wave again in the 90s. Uh, cattle mutilation is on par with crop circles as being one of the most easily identifiable signals of supposed UFO alien activity. 
the most famous early example of livestock mutilation was the uh, lady slash snippy case out of Colorado in 1967. Uh, the report goes as follows. One morning, a farmer named Harry King went out to feed his sister's horse. When the horse did not initially appear, he went to go look for it. He found the horse dead with its head completely stripped of skin, flesh, as well as with precise cuts on the flank of the animal that he couldn't attribute to any known predator in the area. Not to mention a strong smell of chemicals like into acetone was reported as well. They also reported that the body did not decompose in a manner that normally it would. Uh, the bones had a pinkish hue to them as if they were left in the sunlight for years. There's no blood in the animal during the autopsy. And the skin around the initial cuts on the flank had turned black. Uh, quoting the article, the horse's footprints ended about 100 feet from where the remains lie. No other prints were around. The Lewises found 15 burns uh, that could be circular exhaust marks. 100 yards north of the carcass, they found a 3-foot bush and bushes within a 10-foot radius of the bush that had been flattened to within 10 inches of the ground. Six indentations, two inches across and six inches deep, formed a circle three feet in diameter. On the bushes, Nellie found some gelatin, like green globs, and a piece of metal covered with horsehair. After touching these, her hands began to burn and hurt until she could wash them. A sheriff determined the cause of death to be, uh, and wait for it, lightning. Uh, even though the globs I mentioned in the burnt area were all tested to be radioactive, something that you'll notice as these reports go on, the animal's heart, lungs, and thyroids were all, and I quote, removed with some of the cleanest cuts I've ever seen. There was also a UFO phenomenon in the area as well, even some deputies reporting they were chased by an orange globe, another thing that will be reoccurring throughout these episodes. Uh, so strangely enough, this is the earliest high-profile livestock mutilation and uh, that had a lot of overlap with the ones that we see in Dulce about 10 years later. So now we can finally arrive in Dulce proper, and we arrive with Officer Gabe Valdez. Uh, Valdez was a new office. <laughs> Valdez was a New Mexico State Police officer in the Dulce area. Uh, June thirteenth, eighteen seventy-six. Officer Valdez was dragged into the cattle mutilation cases in Dulce. A local rancher with the last name Gomez had called in a panic to Valdez, imploring him to come down and examine the body of a recently deceased cow, saying that he wouldn't normally bother Gabe, but this was too strange to leave. When Valdez arrived at the scene, he found many things that would overlap with the snippy slash lady mutilation. And I don't think I talked about it, but the reason why it's called the snippy slash lady mutilation is there's some debate about what the actual horse of the name was. I think the sister called it one thing, the newspaper called it another thing. Uh, but th it's it's the same horse, so it's not multiple animals. So let's let's remember what I said about the, the horse. So remarkably keen, clean cuts, removal of certain organs... Tracks from the cow, but also something that would resemble a tripod, heavy enough to leave indentations in the hard ground. They also mentioned finding an oily substance near some of the tripod indentations. Uh, unlike Snippy, though, it appeared that whatever did this came back the next day and removed the ear of the cow and left more marks on the ground. Some of these tracks were even on top of the ones that were on the Jeep tracks from the previous day when they drove out. Um, and then something funny in the book is the fact... But the aircraft appeared to almost tip over uh, from fucking up its landing because it landed on a tree stump. So I guess one of the legs or something like was on a tree stump and then it was very uh, unstable, which is another kind of reoccurring thing in these things is uh, whatever was piloting these uh, UFOs uh, just could not could not land well most of the time. So always very funny to me that supposedly super intelligent greys were just comically fucking up their landings. 
And then again, there was more strange lights in the sky. So Gabe, Gomez, and the cattle inspector were at a loss for words. Due to the remoteness of the area and surgical-like precision of the cuts, they ruled out local pranksters and even occult activity. And none of the consumable parts of the animal were removed, which crossed out rustlers. At a crossroads, Officer Valdez reached out to a retired scientist from Cyndia Labs named Dr. Howard Burgess. Burgess agreed to come take a look at the scene. And now I'm going to quote from the book here directly. Three days later, Dr. Burgess arrived on the scene and conducted testing for radiation exposure. He found that the radiation levels in and around the tripod marks was twice the normal background reading. Valdez asked Dr. Burgess, why is the radiation level double the normal level around the tracks? Dr. Burgess responded, perhaps what we assume is an aircraft that appears to have landed next to the cow is either nuclear powered or whatever killed this animal is intentionally trying to confuse investigators. I'm not aware of any aircraft at the time that is nuclear powered. So that is a good question, and it's another answer we are going to have to try to figure out. Shortly after Dr. Burgess examined the Gomez ranch scene, Gabe got another call from the rancher reporting another mutilation. And during the time period that this was happening, uh, Gomez lost 17 animals, including a horse in a similar manner to the uh, lady slash snippy uh, mutilation. Uh, the most upsetting to Gomez being the disappearance of a two-year-old steer that was a few hundred yards behind the Gomez home. This meant that the aircraft could fly at an almost silent level, which I'm going to spoil a little bit here, but that's very similar to something that happened reportedly in the Skinwalker Ranch, um, was a, a young steer being taken uh, just, you know, 30, 40, 50 yards away from uh, the owner of the ranch at the time and being mutilated. So let's keep that in mind. So now, Gabe Valdez was uh, firmly in the middle of one of the great mysteries of the 20th century. CDC website or something. I did this back in April, so I apologize. Blackleg is an acute, febrile, highly fatal disease of cattle and sheep uh, caused by Clostridium uh, chevui. I don't think I said that right at all, but forgive me again. And characterized by, uh, basically uh, characterized by swelling, uh, commonly affecting heavy muscles. So this would allow most skeptics to write these mutilations off as a result of this disease. However, the offer Greg Valdez tells us to keep in mind the structural similarities between anthrax and blackleg. The investigations in the western states all revealed that the lymph nodes were always removed from the cows. Uh, they would also find two large puncture wounds in the neck of the animals, uh, which was used to drain it of blood, much like snippy slash lady. 
uh, they began to find the carcasses did not decompose like a natural death would and that scavengers and predators would not eat the carcass. Again, I, I'm like a broken record here, but just like Lady slash Snippy. So, you know, interesting. And then uh, to quote from the book once again, large amounts of vitamin B12 and they found an ion exchange resin on one of the cows mutilated in Logan County. Liver samples from one of the Gomez mutilations showed a very high level of potassium in the animal's liver. Uh, potassium iodine is used to block radioactive iodine from entering the thyroid. Blood found around the nose and mouth of one of the mutilated animals had a light pink color, suggesting the scientists that the animal had been subjected to a high dose of radiation. Several investigators also became very sick after viewing the animal, which included nausea and vomiting. Some investigators believe they were possibly suffering from radiation sickness. So again, high levels of radiation near the bodies of these things, uh, another thing that is familiar through all. And Greg gives a quick breakdown on some of this stuff because I'm not exactly um, that familiar with chemical and uh, nuclear compounds of the such. So uh, let me again quote from the book here. Uh, let me give you a quick explanation of ion exchange resins and vitamin B12 so you will know what I'm talking about. Vitamin B12 consists of a class of chemically related compounds, all of which have vitamin activity, including the biochemically rare element cobalt. Cobalt-59 is present in soil as a stable isotope. Trace amounts of cobalt-60 are also present around the globe from radioactive fallout as a result of past atmospheric weapons tests. It may also be present as a contaminant at certain locations, such as in nuclear reactors and facilities that process spent nuclear fuel, principally in the hardware associated with spent fuel. Transport of cobalt in the environment is strongly influenced by its chemical form. It is generally one of the less mobile radioactive metals in soil, although certain forms can move downwards with percolating water into underlying soil layers. Cobalt-60 possesses both an internal and external hazard, the main health concern being associated with an increased likelihood of developing cancer. External exposure is a concern because of the strong external gamma radiation, thus shielding is often needed to handle waste and other materials with high concentrations of this isotope. Inside the body, cobalt presents a hazard from both beta and gamma radiation. Vitamin B12 is a cobalt-containing vitamin essential for red blood formation in humans, and the intestinal absorption of cobalt in this vitamin is high. So remember how I mentioned anthrax earlier? Well, this part will go to show why. Uh, the discovery of large amounts of vitamin B12 and other evidence led to early theories of possible germ warfare testing and the possibility of a nuclear-powered aircraft. Theories later developed that provided a partial explanation for the vitamin B12 and ion exchange resin. Ion exchange resin was also used to help try to clear up the fallout from the Fukushima reactor disaster. Just something to think about. So as they continue to investigate these mutilations, they also notice more and more orange lights in the sky, even chasing one down one day. In a very strange sequence of events that included an officer not being able to see the light right in front of him, even though his partner could from the road, as well as a glowing tombstone in the direct flight pattern of one of these things. During one of the chases, they started speaking Apache to each other uh, in an attempt to hide what they were saying and it worked, as if someone was listening to their conversations. So some very strange things were afoot in Dulce. Which, I, I don't know, try to make sense about why a UFO would understand English but not Apache. So, that's just me. So, Gabe again contacts Dr. Burgess to come out. And uh, Gabe mentioned that the cows that are primarily being targeted are four years old or young heifers. Um, they wanted to know how they were being selected from the air. Because there must have been some sort of marking on them, right? Because, you know, 
all these cows were within a certain age range, none older. And there's always these specific cows that are cut up and they never like took an one an accident or anything like that, right? So they decide that there must be some sort of invisible marker on them that could be picked up by infrared or some other device. So they tested another rancher's cattle from the ages four to two. These cattle all had splotches of something fluorescent on their fur marking them. The rancher quickly sold off the marked cattle after removing the fur. So because of these markings and the other strangeness, they decided it must be either the government or a large corporation doing these things to the cattle. But why wouldn't they just simply bring in their own cattle or buy them from the ranchers? Which is something I often hear uh, in regards to this stuff. I remember listening to uh, someone on, I think like the... Um, Death is Around the Corner Discord posted an archival like bank of uh, old Coast to Coast AM Art Bell episodes. And on one of them, Art Bell's interviewing John Keel and they talk about this exact thing. Uh, and I thought that was very interesting. So, but I'll, I'll go into why that was why that was happening. Well, why that was happening was the Gomez herd, which was particularly hard hit, uh, had been in the Dulce area for a long time, and they might have been trying to see if something was happening in the genetics of that group of cattle because they didn't seem interested in the non-indigenous cattle. So cattle that were from the area spent a long time that had been there during these uh, this time, and you will see why cattle that had been there for a long time were important as opposed to cattle that were brought in recently and why the effects of uh, either germ warfare or radiation is important to that, right? Just bear with me. And then other strange and more uh, covert things were happening in Dulce. Uh, they eventually realized that uh, some of the mutilations occurred in certain areas, depending on where the jet stream was at the time. Uh, so if it was north or south, there would be more, you know, if it was, I believe if it was in the south, it would be more in the southern Great Basin. So Dulce and areas like that. And if it was north, it would be like Idaho and places like that, right? So they go on to hold a uh, press conference where they talk about a clamping mechanism that was used on the legs of the cattle to lift them and the marks that this mechanism would leave on the skin. So after this press conference, these clamp marks uh, were much harder to spot. So they would be on the hoof, they would be on, you know, areas that are not usually being checked. So instead of going to like the thigh or some other big area, they'd go to a much more conspicuous spot to try to uh, latch onto these animals and do whatever the fuck they were doing to them. So someone was clearly keeping tabs on our intrepid investigators. Uh, it even gets more shadowy and strange when uh, someone finds radar chaff near one of the corpses. So radar chaff back then was a form of stealth technology that at this time was a classified project being used by the Air Force. Uh, it's basically just aluminum shavings like in a can and you would explode that can and it would fuck up radar tech. Uh, the chaff is supposed to be just incredibly fine that no one can find it afterwards. But I guess they were finding like big piles of this shit. Uh, sometimes in like the mouths of the cows and other things like that. Which tells me kind of maybe someone's leaving it on purpose. But a lot of the times it seems like it just got messed up in the deployment. Uh, <laughs> we also found a gas mask near one of the corpses as well as an electronic device they traced back to an Air Force contractor. Uh, however, in spite of this evidence, they never jumped to any conclusions uh, because as in the book, they say that this could all be misdirection and purposely placed to mislead and distract them. Hence why it's a little weird to something that is supposedly so fine being found in large clumps in the mouths of these animals that are being cut up. So yeah, and then the FBI comes in to investigate these, these mutilations. And while the FBI is there, mutilations completely stop, right? 
So they, they stop. And then, at least in the area. And so, of course, the guy running it, who's named uh, Rommel. So Mr. Rommel uh, dismisses the investigation. And he dismisses every account of lights and strangeness. And he doesn't even look into the particular area of Dulce, which was the hotspot for these things. So uh, Mr. Rommel placed the blame at natural causes and predators. So we keep seeing the U.S. government, and specifically the Air Force, and even more specifically, experimental aircraft popping up in this story. And this is just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to that kind of stuff. Now, we can finally discuss uh, why these things were more than likely happening in the Dulce area. Uh, Project Gas Buggy, which was a part of a larger uh, joint private and government uh, project back in the 60s and 70s. The the parties involved in this project were the Lawrence Livermore Labs, uh, about 45 minutes away from where I am right now, uh, in beautiful, uh, rustic Livermore. Uh, the El Paso Natural Gas Company, and they had funding from the Atomic Energy Commission. So, again, let's keep this in mind. Uh, the goal of Gas Buggy was to uh, not only find a peaceful reason to use nuclear bombs, but to extract natural gas by loosening rocks in the Earth's crust. Which, uh, if you think about that for about five seconds, you're basically fracking with a nuke. So, somehow, we came up with the great idea to have an even more harmful, destructive, and pointless way to frack uh, back in the 60s and 50s. So, you know, don't, don't say there's no innovation in America because we no longer use nukes. We just uh, make your water turn on fire. <clears throat> so, <laughs> because they were using nukes to do this, the gas they would get was uh, highly radioactive and completely useless for commercial purposes. And after this initial detonation in the um, Carson Forest... They uh, did this two more times after knowing they, they, that the, the gas was useless. So in total, they detonated 27 nukes and just did untold fucking damage to everything nearby them. Um, but only after pumping $770 million uh, into it. The project was eventually shut down in 1977. Um, God knows how much money that is in today's standards because I, I think I might cry if I saw that um the other galaxy brain ideas they had were to uh widen the Panama Canal uh and dub it the Pan Atomic Canal which uh great great branding there guys and uh cutting paths through mountains for freeways and all that good stuff so uh once again just blowing a giant hole in like Mount Shasta or something you know to to make the Road to Oregon a little smoother. You know what I mean? God, these people are fucking stupid. Um, oh, and how can I forget? Uh, blasting the western slope of the Sacramento Valley to help transport water. What could possibly go wrong there? Um, so the blast from the actual projects was bad enough, in particular in the Carson Forest, the, the, the one that is relevant to us because that's right near Dulce. Uh, this blast uh, billowed up and displaced about 12 million tons of soil. And uh, this uh, cloud of uh, nuclear, whatever the fuck, radiation, fallout, whatever the fuck, uh, moved towards the Mississippi. 
And um, <laughs> another uh, genius idea they had, and again, to, to quote from the book, um, one of the failures of the gas buggy experiment was the high level of radioactive gas introduced into the cavern by the explosion. So instead of keeping the gas contained of under, or instead of keeping the gas contained underground, the DOE decided to flare off some of the contaminated gas and burn it. The official DOE report claims that the radioactive contamination from the flaring activities was limited to a 10 mile radius from the wellhead. They flared or burned off 300 million cubic feet of contaminated gas that was released into the environment with the town of Dulce a short distance away. <sighs> Greg also states, this is a very probable answer to the question Gabe Valdez and Howard Burgess asked early in their investigation. The reason certain age groups of cattle, usually in the four-year-old range, were being found mutilated was more than likely related to this specific test. The findings suggest that length of exposure to plutonium-239 is more relevant to the measured concentration in bone than is the concept of change in biological availability. The older cows provided better test results for the study. The reason gas buggy becomes important is that it gives insight into why these cows may have been mutilated. The obvious explanation is the contamination released when they conducted the detonation. They flared off contaminated gas and no telling where the radioactive contamination went. So, ugh. so it seems the entire reason that the cattle mutilations were happening in Dulce was to study the effect of nuclear fallout on the life in the area and to make sure that during these tests, no one knew what was going on. So they used experimental aircraft to give them a cover and whatever strangeness they were getting into at the time. So basically, we poisoned our own citizens because we didn't want to cop to the stupid shit they did of plowshare and gas buggy. <sighs> and so, while I was um, researching this, I came across a more recent example of the cattle mutilation phenomenon from an article in Oregon Live dated uh, April 18th, which was around when I originally wrote this. So just a couple weeks, or just a couple months ago now, um, up in Crook County, Oregon which had many of the same signs as the snippy and dulce mutilations. Um, the utter removed reproductive organs, as well as the tongue, left cheek, and a large prick mark between the legs of the cow. Uh, there was minimal blood, and there were no discernible tracks near the cow. They noted several straight incisions on the animal. One, one udder had been removed, and a circular cut was made around the anus, and the reproductive organs were removed without puncturing the gut. The left cheek, left eye, and tongue had been removed, as well as there were no apparent animal or human tracks immediately surrounding the carcass and only minimal blood in the area. I know from personal experience that if an animal is killed or scavenged by predators, there is typically a large bloody mess in the area surrounding the carcass. So, and of course, the uh, typical types are coming out of the woodwork to say this was just uh, typical bird scavenging and that this is nothing more than that. Um, but I hope that when we've looked at this, uh, we know better than that. And we know better than the people who are trying to uh, dissuade these things. Because clearly they have fucked something else up, but they're having to do this again. <sighs> and then next month on the book review, we're going to talk about uh, Paul Benowitz, Richard Doty, and government disinfo projects. Which seems uh, very timely now, given all the... Uh, all the sort of uh, spook shit going on, if you know what I mean. Yeah. So again, I wrote this back in April before the disclosures even became like a big topic. So I, I was, you know, not to toot my own horn or anything, but I was a little ahead of the curve there, folks. <sighs> but yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Benowitz and Doty and all this fun stuff on the uh, next 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 book report. 
All right. Um, until then, uh, we at Cranking Me Off wish you all good luck, and I'll talk to you later. Bye-bye.